Um, let me pray one last time. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are supreme, that you're over all, that you hold all things together by the word of your power. Lord, we, well, Lord, I, I've been so encouraged by the prayers of the saints this week. Um, I've also been challenged by um, how little I often do pray for, for the preacher, myself and for Matt. So thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness to us. Pray that um, you would speak to us through your word. Um, thank you that you know all things and that you're in control of all things and that we can trust you. Uh, pray you'd help us now, help me now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder in the past week, oh, good shout, yeah, Where to take my eye out. Um, I wonder in the past week if there have been moments when you didn't want to do something. You know, have a think. Were there times this week when you didn't want to do something? Whether that's taking the bins out, uh, going to work, even if that means just walking into your study these days. Uh, dare I say it, going to life group. Maybe it's exercising, or maybe it's preparing a sermon last minute. Every single day, there are things we don't want to do. Uh, and of course, there are obviously things that we do want to do. And the, the passage we're looking at this morning is thinking about how to obey, do what God wants us to do, even when it's difficult and even when we don't want to. So the passage this morning is about obeying God, even when it's difficult or maybe when we don't want to which is good because every single day of our life, uh, there will be times when we don't want to do what God wants us to do or we'll find it difficult. And maybe if you're not a Christian this morning, first of all, thanks for listening in. This will give you a real good insight into the reality that Christians do in fact struggle uh, in following God in doing what he says. So this morning, we're gonna look at uh, three ways Paul encourages us to obey God, even when it's difficult or we don't want to and then what it actually looks like to obey God, even when it's difficult or we don't want to. So first, three ways Paul encourages us to obey God, even when it's difficult or we don't want to. So let me read verses eight to nine to you again. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. So Paul is writing to Philemon. He's just thank God for the man that Philemon is, that he's a refresher of God's people. And now he's getting into the main purpose of this letter. He's going to ask Philemon to forgive and to receive back his former slave who had run away. And as we've been thinking about, we've been reminded again and again that this is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult for him, for Philemon to do it. Maybe perhaps he doesn't actually want to do it. So what does Paul say? Well, firstly, he says that he could be bold in Christ. This idea of boldness means to talk about something with openness or frankness. You know, it, it's being willing to talk about a sensitive subject, which will be quite close to the nerve, which is a reminder to us this morning that the Bible is not silent, which means that God is not silent on difficult situations. He isn't silent in difficult situations. In fact, actually, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to obey God's commands, that often makes situations more difficult. There is a clear cost of following Jesus and obeying God. That's the first thing. Second thing is Paul says he could order Philemon to do what you ought to do. In, in the ESV's translation, it says, I could command you. And this idea of command or order that Paul says here is important for us to understand because Paul believes that the apostles' teaching is one of the foundational blocks for the whole church. 
as well as the Old Testament, which means that his teaching is foundational for the whole church. The words that he's written down here for us were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Whenever he says, in Christ he could command, or appeal, or no, command or order, he recognizes that what he says has authority not just to Philemon, but to all churches throughout all the generations. Because Paul has been commissioned by Christ to be his messenger. So Paul's very words here carry the weight and authority of who Jesus is. So here's an example. Um, imagine uh, you, you walk, well, your child, you walk into your brother or sister's bedroom and you said, say to them, you have to tidy this bedroom. And you know, if your brother or sister comes into your bedroom and says, you have to tidy this bedroom, immediately you're like, who says? But if the brother or sister comes in and says, mom says you have to tidy this room, it's no longer your brother's authority. It's your mom's authority. It's your dad's authority. It's that weight that comes with God's word this morning. These are not just Paul's words. These are God's very words. And actually, what's so helpful here is this imagery of a, a command is linked to a king. One of the ways that the Bible talks about God is as a king. And in Bible times, kings had commands for the people. And depending on the type of king it was, depended on the character of those commands. So when Paul says he, is com he could command Philemon, he is simply relaying what King Jesus commands. The king of the whole universe, Jesus, wants Philemon and Onesimus to be reconciled. You know, and in those days, a king's order or a king's command carried a lot of weight. If you disobeyed the king, there would be a punishment, which again transfers across, because when we read the Bible, we read, whenever we disobey the king of the universe commands, there is a punishment, and that punishment is death. So perhaps this morning, one of the ways we, we can be encouraged to obey God in difficult circumstances, or whenever we don't want to, is to remind ourselves that God isn't giving us advice. He's not simply saying, oh, this, this is my two cents, take it or leave it. Obeying God is a matter of life and death, which obviously naturally raises a question uh, in a skeptical mind. You know, why do I need God to tell me what to do in order to be a good person? Especially if the same God has such a severe reaction to disobedience, which of course is a great question. But this is where this idea of the Bible talking about God as a king is so essential. Because if there is a God who is the king of the universe, who gives commands to the creation that he created, one day you will stand before that king and have to give an account of your life. And, and that, that means that even if you live the best life possible, but you are the king, you're still an enemy of that king. You, the best soldier in the rebel army is still a rebel. And actually, whenever we think that through a little bit more, if there is a God, surely the Bible is worth looking into. Because if there is a king, it's important to know what the king says. I know you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, gosh, this is a massive stick approach to wanting to obey. This is not very enticing me to obey God whenever it's hard or when it's difficult. But we're getting to the carrot, I promise. You know, the old, you, you hit the donkey to get him to go or you give him the carrot to make him want to go. We're to, we're to the carrot now because Paul then makes the point of appealing to Philemon in love. An appeal uh, out of love is another very powerful emotive image. It means a serious, urgent, or heartfelt request. 
He's appealing to Philemon because of the love and the brotherhood that they share as Christians. You know, it's the strength of the love that they share in Jesus. That's what Paul's appealing to here. So again, uh, possibly a helpful illustration. Imagine you come to my house and you command me to wash the dishes. Dave, this house is a mess. I command you to do this. You know, it, it is true. The house might be a mess. I, I might need to do the dishes. But depending on the time of day that it is and how full my tummy is, the results may vary on my obedience. But if my wife, if Amy comes in and says, Dave, please do this for me, is really seriously affecting our relationship, I would be so much quicker to respond to that appeal because it affects our relationship. So perhaps this morning, whenever you're thinking about whatever it may be in your mind that you're struggling to obey God in, God is appealing to you this morning. You can follow my commands because they are good, because I'm good, because I love you. I want what's best for you. But let's look again. How does Paul pull on Philemon's heartstrings in this appeal? He reminds him that he's an old man and that he's in chains. Now, in, in those cultures, being old meant a lot more than it does today, sadly. You know, if you're an old man in that culture, it meant that you're a wise, respected individual who could be trusted and listened to. Their input mattered so much in situations because they'd lived a lot more life. They'd learnt along the journey. Often today, we're so interested in what younger people are saying, and I think I still count as a younger person, uh, that, that we end up neglecting the older, wiser heads to our detriment, which is something we need to remember as a church. Let, let's, con let's consider and remember those people that society ignores and doesn't listen to, because it is to our detriment when we don't listen to the saints of old who have walked the walk much longer than many of us have talked the talk. The second thing that Paul does is he reminds Philemon about his chains. You know, Paul is, Paul is appealing to him, he's, he's commanding him, but he's not distant and disconnected. He knows the cost of obeying God, even when it's hard, even when perhaps he doesn't want to. You know, if you've ever done pre-season training, there is nothing worse than the bloke who does one length of the pitch, drops out, and then sits at the side and says, go on boys, keep going, keep going. He, has, he doesn't know what it's like to keep running, to keep going. Paul isn't like that annoying man on the touchline. He's in the thick of it. He is sitting in prison because he obeyed Jesus' commands. He has experienced the pain and knows the gain is worth it. You know, here's an imagined conversation between Paul and Philemon. Phil, Phil, my dear friend, I've known you all these years, and what I'm about to ask you to do is going to be tough. Following Jesus is always tough, but I know the pain is worth it because you will gain all that you've lost and so much more. It will be worth it following Jesus. So, so practically, what does it look like for us to, to live out all three of these things? As Christians, perhaps it's just to think, how can I speak boldly to one another about obeying Jesus in difficult circumstances? You know, it means firstly speaking about those difficult things. So often we shy away from conflict, but it also means that we need to know what the Bible says about those difficult situations, about those hard things that we're enduring in life. So you, you need to help people obey the King's commands. But, but this appeal one is probably the most important one to ensure you don't go around, you know, 
destroying people with your words. Because I'm sure at some point in our life, we've all experienced, you know, struggling to obey God. We really don't want to. It's really difficult. And then someone comes in with that haymaker and says, God commands it. He's the king. So do it. Like, that, that is true. God, God is the king. He does command it. But you're probably not going to win anyone to obedience with that attitude. You're to appeal for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his church. It'll be hard to do this, but it will be worth it. And in fact, following Paul's example here saying, look, I know it's worth it because I've lived it. I've, I've done that hard thing and I know I can tell you it's worth it. You know, this is a cheeky plug for youth ministry, really any ministry at all. But you get to appeal to teenagers the greater hope, the greater glory of the gospel because there are things that are better than the things of this world, because you've experienced that as a young person, the, the trials and temptations, and you can offer some sort of hope in the midst of all the hardship, because you've seen how difficult it is. Okay, that, that's, the, that's point one done. And then the second chunk is a little bit shorter, you'll be relieved to know, because this is about what it actually looks like to obey God, even when it's difficult. Like, how do we actually do it? Let, let me read you verses 10 and 11. Uh, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. So Paul here is uh, playing with words a wee bit because he, he, he says Onesimus is, actually means useful. The, the, the name Onesimus means useful. And he, he highlights that Onesimus was once useless to Philemon. Just think about what that word useless means in our world. Like if you, if you have a gadget and you throw it away and you say it's useless, it means it's not fit for purpose. It's broken. I, I have no use for this. Get rid. So, so what is Paul trying to say? That Onesimus was once useless? I think what he's trying to say is that once Onesimus ran away from Philemon, he was as good as dead. You know, if Philemon... Uh, like he wasn't coming back because he had run. And if he did come back, you know, he's probably facing the death penalty. Onesimus was useless. He was as good as dead. And the amazing thing is that Onesimus is a picture of us before we met Jesus. Useless, dead, broken. Now, let me elaborate on that point. Because anytime you read or you think about Onesimus, it should be like looking into a mirror. A rebellious thief a runaway slave, deserving punishment, fearing returning home to our master, useless, ashamed, worthless, and unloved. You, you can imagine this slave running away from his old life, responsibilities, his family, everything. He ran away thinking, I am finally going to get away from, from all this. And he ran straight into God. Well, he ran into Paul, who then introduced him to the Lord Jesus. You know, sometimes whenever we don't want to obey God, we run away from him. And sometimes we end up back in his arms because there's nowhere we can run from him. Whenever we come to Christ, the broken are fixed, the useless are made useful. But this, this is what I love about the Bible. The Bible is full of runners. I hate running. It's awful. But the Bible is full of runners. We have Jonah who runs away. We have the prodigal son who runs away from his father, doesn't want anything to do with him, and he returns the broken lost son comes home. You know, once a slave, now a son, Onesimus, all because of Jesus. 
Because you're not just once dead now alive. You are a son. In that culture, being a son meant everything. It meant you had an inheritance. It meant you had a family. It meant that life would go on. Now, remember, remember who's saying this about Onesimus. This is Paul. Paul was once a very self-righteous Pharisee. Realistically, that's most of us. We are very, Paul was once a very self-righteous Pharisee who would have had nothing to do with the Gentiles. <laughs> like literally nothing to do with them. He did not want to be near them. And here he is speaking about a Gentile slave, the lowest of the low, <laughs> the bottom of the social ladder, and he's just called him a son. God's grace changes people which is so important whenever you think about practically living out, obeying God's commands whenever it's hard, when it's difficult. Because at one point in your life, obeying God's commands didn't seem hard. It was impossible. You know, you had no interest in the Lord or his ways. And yet now, because of Jesus, you're a son and not a slave. Which means whenever you remind yourself of your baptism, of your new life in Jesus, you're reminded that God makes the impossible possible. Which actually also helps you not be pride, uh, proud because you were once useless. You were once useless and now you're useful for the sake of Christ. So whenever you go to help a person struggling to obey, you can't be proud. You're once useless. You're simply a tool in God's hands. You know, we'll, we'll finish on a wee practical note here. Because if you're sitting there and thinking, you know, I don't actually find it hard to obey God at all. Well, firstly, come and talk to me afterwards because I'd, I'd like help. I'd like to know how you got there. But let's think about this. Paul is a spiritual parent to this man, uh, Onesimus. You know, Paul, an old man and prisoner, still sharing the gospel. Paul, an old man and prisoner, still discipling. Who are you spiritually parenting this morning? Because only in this church community do we find people who are willing to boldly appeal to God's commands in a way that is loving and not proud. Who could you be a spiritual parent to? Not to make yourself feel good, but to make Christ look glorious. Maybe that, I'm going to leave that with you to think and reflect as we have a moment of quiet before I pray. So let's have a moment of quiet and then the band are going to sing. Lord Jesus, uh, it feels like that was a bit of a roller coaster uh, going very fast. Lord, we pray that your word would uh, sink deep into our hearts, Lord. Pray that your Holy Spirit would make uh, this text come to life to us this week as we serve and live for you. Lord, we pray for those who do, well, for us all who struggle to obey God when it's, it's difficult or hard or maybe just whenever it's easy. Lord, would you make the beauty of the gospel real to us so that we may uh, willingly obey because the king commanded and because the king gave it all for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.